Well, this morning we're continuing the message series, Love in High Definition, that we've been talking about the last uh, couple weeks. And we've been really trying to get a clear picture of what love is. And each week we've kind of been looking at that really love is one of those terms and one of those words that through our culture and through our experiences, it could be a little blurred. We don't exactly know what it means. Uh, We don't know if it's a thought, if it's a feeling, or what we're supposed to do with it. Uh, But what we've designed to do or what we're purposing to do the last few weeks is really look at what the Bible has to say about what love is and really dig into the truth of it. And as you do that and as you kind of investigate love according to the scriptures, you find a lot about what it is and what it is not. And for me, that's helpful. A lot of times for me to understand something, I need to look at actually what it is not. And that gives me kind of a clear picture, a clearer picture. And that's what we're doing uh, for this series, is allowing the scriptures to speak and give us a, a definition of love that, that is true, not only just for our head, but that's true, that will actually make an impact in our relationships. They'll, this, this idea of love will help as we relate to our spouses, as we relate to our kids, as we relate to our coworkers, with our family. And uh, that's what the scriptures are designed to do, to give us a practical handle on how the Bible actually impacts everyday life. And so that's our purpose uh, this morning. And we're going to continue talking today about love's secret ingredient. And that title right there is supposed to just intrigue you. And I can tell you are completely intrigued. You're like, where's the coffee? I haven't even woken up yet. But this idea of a secret ingredient is actually kind of made popular by lots of restaurants or fast food chains. Uh, they have this idea that they've created something that's got a secret sauce to it that no one else has. And so it's kind of, it's created this notoriety, like you want to go to that restaurant because it has the secret sauce, the special sauce. I want you guys to hear a jingle. This is from 1984. Some of you may not even know what this is, and some of you may just be walking down memory lane as you hear this. To all these and special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions, on it, sesame seeds, what burger? I heard it. Big Mac. People are hungry. They are ready to go. Big Mac. That was in 1984. So some of you are like, what's a Big Mac? Right? No. Some of you guys know that. But there's this idea that McDonald's did. They came and they said, this, this secret sauce is what separates us from our competitors. This is why you need to come to McDonald's for this secret sauce. And it, it gained this huge marketing push. Well, in the scriptures, there's actually a secret ingredient to love, and we're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. But first, I want to dig into 1 Corinthians 13. That's where we've been spending most of our time the last few weeks. 1 Corinthians 13 gives great instruction on love, and it defines it. And so we're going to kind of dig in. We're going to pick up in verse 4. And the first part says, love is patient and kind. The second part is where we're going to focus today. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. So love is patient and kind. We talked about that last week. Today we're talking about the fact that love does not envy. That was last week, actually, sorry. It does not boast, and it is not arrogant. And so we're going to dig in a little bit and talk about those two words, boasting and arrogance. Boasting uh, is a picture of polluting the atmosphere. And the beauty of that for us is we live in the L.A. area. We know pollution, Right? Like you're driving on the freeway and all of a sudden when the wind has been strong, you look up and you see like mountains, right? And you're like, I didn't even know those were there. And you look on the other side and there's mountains. You're like, we're in like a valley. Church in the 
Golly, right? Sometimes you forget that because you don't know it's there because there's pollution, there's smog, there's things that just create this, this haze you can't see clearly. That, that's what, what boasting does. It's, it pollutes the atmosphere of relationships. Uh, boast actually means to praise oneself excessively. You just talk about yourself a great, 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 great deal. You think you are awesome. That's what boasting is. You, you want to praise yourself excessively. And this comes out in relationships. Boasting is the person that, that they just talk about themselves. You may interact with someone like this and they just talk about themselves. They talk about themselves and then they end the time with, well, it was really great talking with you today. You're thinking, I didn't say a thing. We've all experienced that, but it's this idea of you just, the world revolves around you. That's, that's boasting. We all have a part of that where we, you know, when it comes down to it, we want to kind of push ourselves up, praise ourselves. This boasting is it's just, it's excessive. Arrogance actually means literally to puff up. You ever heard the term, that person has a big head? It actually comes from this idea of arrogance. Your head is huge. And when you're huge, other people are small. And that usually is the effect of people that relate to you if you're arrogant. They just kind of feel like they're not important. Again, you're really awesome in your own eyes. And we all deal with that. I actually have a cringe factor when I first met my wife. Uh, I was 17 years old, and we had math class together in college. And I thought I was a stud. I'm just going to throw it out there. I thought I was a stud, and I, I met Samantha, who's my wife, and I just started talking to her, and I, I just asked her a few questions about what she wanted to do and what was her major, and she asked me, and at the time I was thinking I was going to maybe be a youth pastor, and she says, oh, that's really interesting, and I just looked at her, and I said, you know what? You'd make a great youth pastor's wife. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, that actually happened. Like, that was a real statement that came out of my mouth. And I didn't think anything of it because my head was huge. I had the gall to, this was like our first conversation ever. Now, the funny thing is we are married now. So it wasn't like it was actually accurate. What it was is, if you ask my wife, what actually caused her to talk to me again was the fact that God went through a process kind of at that that time in my life of actually humbling me again and again and again. It was because of that that I actually like, she could be around me. So humility, oh, that's a secret ingredient. I just let it leak out. Come to that later. But this is the picture of when you're, you're arrogant, when you're boasting, there's this cringe factor. People just, they don't really want, want to be around you. And what tends to happen is there's, there's more going on underneath the surface, which helps us as we try to dig into love. Because boasting and arrogance is actually most times a reaction to a lack of self-worth or self-confidence. And when you boast, you try to make yourself better than you are because you're, you're insecure. Or you talk about yourself excessively because you want to please other people. And so the things that you do and the things that you say, you, you want people to think, wow, that, that person, they have it all together. But as you've related to these kind of people, you know that that doesn't really work. The arrogant and those that boast, they they don't really give off this, wow, I want to be with that person. It has a way of, it it just pollutes, it dispels, it, again, it's like that cactus, it just, it's not fun 
to be around. When we talk about love, these two things, these are key ideas in Scripture. The reason it says love is not this, because these are major areas that each of us have to deal with. They are love blockers. If you want love to flow freely in your life, out to you and from other people, you have to deal with boasting and arrogance or pride. You have to deal with it. It blocks the flow of love. Whatever it comes from, whether it's a a lack of confidence or insecurity, if you're pushing yourself above everyone else, love will be greatly diminished in your life. Your relationships will stale, and over time, they, they will die if this is true of you. But the good news is, like most things, we have help. And no matter where you are, whether you've been around people like this and you've experienced it, or you struggle with this yourself, this kind of self-promotion or making yourself look better than others, the Scripture gives us the help, and that is the secret ingredient, and that is humility. Humility is love's secret ingredient. Humility blows up boasting and arrogance. The things that blocking the flow of love, it blows it up. It destroys it. And so we're going to talk about humility a little bit, because if you're like me, humility is not really a term that you use a lot. Like if you're going to give a, a card to someone close to you, uh, like an anniversary, like a wedding anniversary, it's not going to say, you know, I will love you for all time and I'll prove it by my humility. Right? You don't, you don't see that. Uh, or, or you don't hear wedding vows a lot of times. I promise to be humble for the rest of my life. It's not really something that we calculate a lot of times into our relationships with people. So there's, there's a vagueness to it. So before we talk about what humility is, let's, let's talk a little bit about what, again, it's not, because that, that's helpful, at least for me. Uh, this, this secret ingredient, it's, it's the core to all relationships. And so understanding this is, is really important. First off, humility is not being timid or shy or bashful. A lot of times, humility is not based on personality. It's based on what's going on inside. So timidness or, or bashful, that's not actually humility. Uh, it's not being weak. That's not, that's not humility. Uh, it's not insecurity. Again, because a lot of times, insecurity actually causes us to go the other way into arrogance. Uh, it's not having a low opinion of yourself. Jesus, who's the epitome of hum- humility, understood his identity. He understood who he was. Uh, He didn't have a low opinion of himself. Humility is not being like a doormat, allowing just people to trample on you. Uh, It does have boundaries to it. Um, Jesus didn't put himself down. Humility isn't somebody that goes around and just bashes themselves. That could actually be a false humility. You know, as you say things that are bad about yourself, you kind of hope people say, no, you're not like that. Okay, I thought so. Right? We all play those games. That's actually, that's false humility. And if I were to go through and say, you know, humility is just, you don't really like yourself. You, you have a low opinion of yourself. And then it's like, all right, be humble. That's, that's not really appealing to us. That definition doesn't really help us in our life. It doesn't really give us a picture of, of how that benefit us over time. But oftentimes this, this idea of humility, just all we kind of think is, well, just kind of weak. Just weak. 
But actually, humility is the, the opposite. It actually takes great courage to be humble. Great courage. Because you decide to actually place people and their goals above your own. That's what sacrifice is. And the humble sacrifice. They sacrifice their goals. They sacrifice their interests. Not because they're not important. But they realize that other people they need to view as more important than they are. Not that they are, because before God, we have value. We have the same value. But humility is saying, I'm going to treat them as more important than myself. Or at least I'm going to think of them as much as I think about myself. That's what humility is. So what's the definition? Humility is a voluntary attitude of deference that yields the right of way to others out of respect or esteem. The key word in that is voluntary. Humility is something that you volunteer up to do. You make a choice. And one of the keys to humility is it's better to choose humility than to be humbled. Have you ever had a situation in your life where one reason or another, some circumstances happened, or as you're relating to someone, you, you just got humbled, and you just have this like pit in your stomach like, oh man, I never want that to happen. Well, when you're humbled without you choosing to do it, it actually hurts way more. Now, God will use that as well. If you're not choosing it, sometimes things happen where it is done to you, and it stings, but even that you can learn from. But the key to really allowing love to flow is it's, this is a volunteer choice that you make. You humble yourself before God and you humble yourself before others. You treat them as more important. Uh, God values humility almost more than any other thing. Where he says he will bless, there's always this, this idea of wherever humility is talked about in the Bible there's always paired with, with this blessing that God gives. It's actually kind of the same to giving. And it's the same kind of idea. When you give, like your resources, when you give your money to others, it takes a great deal of courage, just like humility. In fact, giving is, is kind of a byproduct of that. You realize that you're giving things away that you hope God will take care of you. And so God is saying, if, if, you, if you do this, I am on your side. This is where blessings flow. This is how, this is how I work. This is, this is kind of how the kingdom is, those that humble themselves. So he's promised to bless us. Here, here are a few of the blessings that come from choosing humility. A guidance for decisions. The arrogant think they know everything, and they make decisions based on that. The humble decide and realize that they don't. And so they invite people in for input. Life decisions, directions in life. What you should do, what you should not do. The humble decide, I, I need help. And they get, they get guidance. You also get grace. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. That's one of the benefits of choosing humility. God gives you grace. And you know what? That also flows down to others. If you're humble and you mess up, and you admit it to somebody, 
you are actually endearing yourself to that person. They want to help you. They've realized that you have seen this issue. You've recognized maybe something that you did that was wrong. And you want to help them. The picture is like a customer service. You know, as customers, oftentimes, at least for myself, I think, you know, customer rules, right? That's why you have my money. But if you've ever called a company of something that they've messed up, and you usually have two responses, it's either they, they recognize the problem, they admit the problem, they fix the problem, they go out of their way. Don't you feel like you will, you will be a customer for life? You're like, well, that, thank you. And you have like this friendship with the person. Like, thank you. Take care. But if somebody just, you get this as you talk to somebody on the opposite, and they don't understand the problem. And then as you talk, you realize that you are the problem. And the way that they solve the problem is to transfer you to a number that doesn't exist. You ever had that happen? What's the experience like? Well, I can't, I can't. How could they do that? There's this idea where when we choose to have this attitude of humility, and it works both ways. What do you do when you're wrong like that? But this, this relationships get, get sweeter and these things like graciousness flow in a way that, that aren't blocked when arrogance is there. Exaltation, that's another benefit. Arrogance and, and boasting is to exalt ourselves. But it's kind of counterintuitive because what the scriptures say is if you actually humble yourself, you actually get exalted. But those that exalt themselves, they get humbled. That doesn't make sense to us because we think, why am I going to wait for that to happen when I need to make it happen now? That drives us. But if you actually choose humility, God says he will lift you up. He will exalt you. That doesn't even make sense to us a lot of times. Another benefit is, is honor. You actually have a great deal of respect from people if you are humble. They actually see that you are somebody that has a right view of things. You have the right view of yourself. And oftentimes this leads to promotions at work. If you're humble and you work hard and you recognize who you are, what you can do, your limitations, you recognize your strengths, you recognize all that you can do for the company, and you're humble, you, you oftentimes, you, you can get honor from what you do. You can get promoted, which again is another idea of exaltation. This all flows from humility. Now, to me, this, as I look at those blessings, this, this is just like, wow, I, that's what I want. But a lot of times, for that to be true, it really does mean that you choose this path of sacrifice out of a, a deference for, for others. I want to share a, a video with you this morning. Uh, I asked Jeep Underwood, who's at our uh, Hamburg campus, um, it'd be cool if we could do satellite, but we can't, so it's a video that we recorded last week. Uh, but we, I wanted him to share, Jeep is a man that has walked with God a long time. And he is a project manager for the Army Corps of Engineers. I actually think I introduced him on the video, but he's helping us out a great deal in Alhambra campus. But one of the things I've, I've learned as I've rubbed shoulders with Jeep, and for those of you that know him, you've experienced this, Jeep is, is, a, is a humble man. But he's actually also been very successful. 
And a lot of times in our view of humility, we kind of think that if you choose it, you kind of are going a detour to success. It really doesn't happen, or it's delayed, or you may never get there. But I want you guys to hear Jeep's story as he kind of describes what's happened in, in his life. Well, what we've been talking about today is uh, further kind of explanation of how to love in high definition and looking at the secret ingredient of love being humility. And I've asked Jeep Underwood to share uh, for us today uh, kind of how God has grown humility in his life. And Jeep is a project manager for the Army Corps of Engineers. And he's also been a member of Church in the Valley for a long time. And he heads up the service teams and kind of manages all the volunteers for our Hamburg campus. And he does a great job with that. And I just wanted Jeep to kind of share a little bit about how God has grown in him in humility. And uh, Jeep, if you're like me, humility is not something that you probably grew up thinking about when you were a kid. Like, how can I be humble? Um, and for me, I know I really didn't even have, have an understanding of what humility was. Could you kind of walk us through kind of your first understanding or view of humility when you were young, uh, specifically before you committed your life to Christ? Well, uh, you, just like you said, just growing up, it really wasn't something I thought about very much. But uh, kind of the, the family that I grew up in is we'd, wanna, we, we'd always want to help people. You always wanted to help people who needed help. But we didn't really want to accept a whole lot of help, and so I kind of, I kind of, I kind of just grew up thinking, the way you really make it in life is you just figure out everything on your own, hmm. and then uh, you're kind of on your own. And so, and actually, to ask for help was almost kind of an admission of failure. Hmm. And so I just was trying to make everything happen on my own. Hmm. And so that's, I guess, I, I kind of felt like I, I had to figure it all out, and I couldn't really ask for much help. Yeah, I, I can, I can really relate to that. Now, if you could, could you kind of walk us through how your view of, of humility from kind of this picture of being helpless to actually being something that's very important to God that can actually make a difference in your life. Could you kind of walk us through how God grew you in your understanding of humility and applying it to your own life? Well, in a lot of ways, it just happened real natural. Uh, as, I, as I got older, life got a lot more complicated and a lot more complex, you know, that that gal that uh, I kind of liked, I married her, and then uh, I started, you know, thought we'd have a kid, and now we have three. Things just got a lot more complicated, a lot more complex, <clears throat> and I was in way over my head. And so I was at a place where I really needed help. And one one thing that, that really helped me was just several years ago, I had begun a, um, a habit of spending time with, with God in the scriptures in the morning, just spending, trying to get to know Him more. And... I started coming across verses that were really helpful. One was uh, Psalm 32, 8, where God's talking. It's like a God quote, and it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And what really struck me with that is that it wasn't just instruction, although that was amazing that God would want to instruct me, but it was he would counsel me with his eye upon me. There was specific direction for what I needed to do in my real life. And then another verse that, that kind of completed the thought for me was uh, Proverbs 4.13 just says, take hold of instruction, do not let go, guard her, for she is your life. I can tell a couple of quick stories just to how that's played its way out in my real life. <clears throat> one, uh, one story would just be at work. Um, several years ago, I was a journeyman engineer, and I, I was the, the project engineer that was leading the project I was on uh, left, and he, he went on a, on a project assignment for three years. 
and they didn't get someone to take his place. They just kind of left it with me. So I, you know, I had to learn a lot, and I just I grabbed the bull by the horns and tried to learn what it is I needed to do, and I made a lot of progress in about a year and a half. And then they then they did put someone back in that position, and they led they led the effort for the next several months, and we got the project done. But it was a great learning experience for me. But then that guy they put in over me, he retired. And I thought, well, I'm a lock on this position. I, I mean, I've been, I actually did the job. <clears throat> and then uh, one day someone came in and introduced me to the replacement. And I never even knew there was a job announcement that went out. And I, it, really, it really bothered me that I, I didn't even know that there, there was an opportunity to apply for this job that I'd been doing. And uh, my... And I actually, went, I started to really deal with, well, if you want a journeyman level engineer, then that's what you're going to get. And I really dealt with, well, then I'm not going to work harder than what the job calls for. And that's really kind of what I was struggling with. But the next morning in my, in my time with God and in the scriptures, I came across, I just happened to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, because the day before I was in 1 Peter chapter 4, <clears throat> and in verse 5 chapter uh Chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, uh, the verse that really stood out to me was, uh, But humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And it just, it, it just, it was just, it resonated with me because it, it was a complete opposite of where I was thinking I was going to go. And I decided at that point, at that moment, I'm going to do what it says here and I'm going to go and I'm going to do I'm going to work as hard as they want me to I'll do any position they want me to do but I'm just going to keep doing as best job as I can well about eight months later another position came open and I applied for it and the the interviewer asked me why didn't you apply for that other job you're the, you're the, like an obvious candidate and I just told him well you know what just a communication error I just uh, didn't get a chance to apply for that and uh Four months, four years later, I became the section chief of that section. And then about six years after that, I was promoted to program manager where I'm at now. And what, I, what, I, what I've seen is that, that that attitude that I didn't go with could have derailed my whole career. And now I actually see the fruit of that decision on down the way. And that's, that's, that's something that's really helped me. And then when you look at just, uh, just in the area of just my marriage, um, uh, this is, you know, I, I had a, my wife and I had been married, this is several years ago, but my wife and I had been married for a few years. And one thing that was bothering me is that, um, is I was arguing too hard. Like I, it's like, I just wanted to win the argument and I would just do whatever it took to win an argument. And, and one morning I went to, I was having a, I was going to meet with God and open up the scripture and I said, God, what is wrong with me? What is it? What's causing this? Because I don't want to be like the guy that's always arguing all the time. And and I was in Amos, and I thought, I don't know what, God, you can tell me in Amos, but I really need help. So I, I opened it up as Amos chapter 1, and he's talking to nations. God's talking to different nations, and he talks to Edom, and he says, Your anger tore continually against your brother, and you stifled your compassion. And it just, it became, God made it very clear to me that that was the very thing that was causing me my problem. Because if there were, and, and as soon as I read that, there was, my memory went back to points in an argument that my wife and I'd be having. And there'd be a point in time when I would start to feel the flame or the, this compassion for her. And I would, I would put it aside because I wanted to win. 
And I, and I recognized the moment that he was talking about. I thought, that's it. And so when I get to that moment, I've got to fan the flames of that compassionate feeling that I start to feel. And, you know, I still, I still mess up and I still, this is something that's probably, maybe it's going to be a lifelong struggle. But there was a dramatic shift about 10 years ago in our relationship because I was able to I'd be able to pinpoint that point where I go off the rails. And it was just, it was reading that morning in Amos. And so that, for me, um, being able to ask for help and really listen to what good is the God is, has for me and then put it into practice, because it's really made all the difference. I hope that that's given you a picture of kind of how this, how this plays out. And I think the most refreshing part for me is the part where you said, you know, I, I don't get it right. I have to keep trying. You get this, this, what Jeep's explaining is this process of you keep running into the arrogance and you keep running into the pride or the boasting. And it's something that, that's how God works is as you spend time with him and as you soak up the scriptures and as you're in situations, you invite God into that situation, that's where the learning is. It's not like humility is one of those things that you choose and you coast on it the rest of your life. I mean, it is a battle from the moment that you wake up until you go to bed. There's just always something in us that just we are going to have to choose it again and again and ask God to identify areas like Jeep did where, you know, it's just not really there. So I, we, we hope that's a, that's a help to you. I want to dig in and as we kind of close out the service, I want to look at one scripture uh, that actually Jeep mentioned, and it's First uh, Peter 5.5. 5. And this talks about how humility opens the door to loving attitude and actions. And so we're going to kind of flesh this out briefly. First Peter 5.5 5 says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So the picture is here, you clothe yourself in humility. That's what Jeep was describing. Literally, it means like you pin this to you like a piece of clothing. For me, the picture is like an apron. Humility is an apron that you decide to put on every day. Because if you're like me, apron means work. You're going to get dirty. That's why you need it. That's the picture of humility. You have to clothe yourself in it. It becomes a part of you. And over time, as you choose it and you battle and you you don't choose it and you repent and you confess when you put others above you. And this, this, this journey that God takes you on as you really try to take him seriously, is this, this opens the doorway for just a new love to flow that's from him into your relationships, into your marriage, into your, your family, to your workplace, just like it did uh, for G. And there's a warning to 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Why do you want to put your humble apron on? Because God opposes the proud. Literally, that means like you're getting, if, if you're prideful, you have decided to get into the ring and spar with God. Like, what are the odds of that, right? But if you're that prideful, you might think you have a shot. But the way it works is if you get in the ring with God, you're going to lose every time. And so what it, that scripture is saying is he opposes the pride. If you choose pride... God himself comes against you, and it doesn't go well. God wins that battle every time. And there's usually a destructive path that you see, 
around people that just, they will not submit. They will not give in. They will push themselves up to the front every time. But then there's hope. No matter how much you've chosen pride, this boasting and arrogance, no matter how you struggle with it, grace comes. God gives grace to the humble. So there's many scenarios every day that we face. You know, you open the fridge, and there's like this dessert that's really good, and there's like one more slice, right? I went to desserts. I know, it's messed up. But what does the humble do? The humble says, well, someone else would probably want it. Freeway, I don't need to say much else when you're driving, right? But even further than that, what about when when you've messed up and you've done something wrong? And everything in you is like, I don't want to admit it. I don't want to admit it. I don't want to admit it. It could be to your spouse. It could even be to your kids. It could be to your boss. It could be to a subordinate. You just don't want to admit you're wrong. At that point where you're battling there, if you choose humility, that's where the grace comes. And oftentimes there's still that, that this feeling of, oh, that was awful. And it just, you hate to admit you're wrong. I hate to admit I'm wrong. But when you realize that you, you side with humility, it, it, you're really siding with God himself. This is how, this is how it flows. Because the grace of God, it, it, it frees us up to truly love with humility. This is, this is how he works. When we take him at his word and we decide, okay, if I'm going to put others in front of myself, I need your grace because there's no way that I can do this alone. And that's where humility kind of completes the full circle. You realize that you can only really be humble in a relationship with God because he's the only one that can take care of you. He has all the knowledge. He has all the power. He has everything you need to be taken care of if you choose humility. There's no one else in your life that can take care of you if you choose humility. It's only God. Because even if you look to someone else besides him, now that relationship just can become stale because you're looking for them to give you what you need, whether it's emotional, whatever it is. So as we choose this, we get the grace, even in the midst of the battle. So there are many scenarios. I just encourage you to think through. Just in terms of reflection, you'll see a little space there on your, your listening guide. Take some time as I wrap up, just kind of jot down some thoughts. Is there, is there an area where you kind of see this battle going on, in, like a certain relationship or a certain scenario? Is there just kind of certain times where you really see this, this boasting or arrogance coming in? Jot that down. It's just helpful to, to identify. I encourage you to do that. I also want to walk you through some next steps this morning as I close. And as the band comes up, uh, you'll see a, a sheet in your outline or in your program, sorry, that that has like a a T outline with Philippians 2. And Philippians 2 is a great chapter which describes how Jesus himself was humbled. And if you're interested, uh, you could take a next step today to kind of do a little study of that. And you'll see there on that sheet, there's Philippians 2 written out. And you look at Jesus' example. And then on the right side, you can kind of note, what, what does that mean for you? As Jesus did this, what does that mean you can do? For me, sometimes it's helpful just to look at an example, like when 
describe that. That was really helpful to me personally. And in the scriptures, you see that again and again, but Philippians 2 has a great picture of how Jesus did this. So that could be your first next step today. Just maybe take some time this week, one day or a couple days in the morning or at night, whenever you can, to take some time to look through that. I think it could be a help to you. Maybe you want to memorize 1 Peter 5.5 and just you, you kind of remember God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When that tension point comes, that could be a real help. And then third, if, if you've never committed your life to Christ, you realize like I just, I've not done that. There's this part of me that I cannot surrender. But if you just sense that now is the time for you to do that, now is the time to let go of control and really allow God to lead your life. And we want to help you do that. And we, we are here to kind of walk you through what that looks like. So you can mark that as well. And then the last two are those Discover classes, which I mentioned earlier. We're going to continue uh, singing in a moment, and we're going to be receiving our offering. But before I do that, let's, let's pray again and ask God to help us. God, we, we do need your help as we, we talk about humility. It's something that is such a, a battle. And it, it's something that we're going to deal with the rest of our life. And every day, there's just something in us which kind of comes from us going our own way, which just we want to be first. We want to be better. We want to be smarter than those around us. And God, we need you to soften our hearts. We need you to show us any arrogance that we may have or any areas where we boast or exaggerate or make ourselves look better than, than we are. Because we, we want to choose it. Uh, we don't want you to oppose us. Uh, we want to be on your side. And so, God, we, we need your help to do this. And we ask that you'll even just draw near to us now that we, that we may maybe pinpoint an area where we need to change or Go a different way. We ask for your help in this. In the name of the Lord Jesus.